This week, my 13-year-old son, Luke, downloaded an application on his phone called Postmates so that he could order some of his fast food whenever he wanted it brought directly to our house. It's one of these many applications that allows you to do that. And so he was super excited about that. He has his own personal debit card that he linked up to Postmates. And he decided one day that he wanted some McDonald's. And so he ordered the Big Mac meal with the fries, and he got a Sprite to go with that. And uh, waited about about 30 minutes or so. He was outside shooting basketball, brought his food up to him, uh, and he chowed down, ate his Big Mac, ate his fries, drank his Sprite. uh, And it satisfied his hunger, and he was happy. But even above, like, his physical hunger, I think it was a great uh, thing for Luke in his own mind because he was willing to pay three times as much money for that Big Mac meal as he would if we had taken him uh, ourselves to McDonald's to purchase that. But for Luke, he said it was worth it because, remember, he's 13. He's becoming a young man. And it meant something to Luke to have a little bit of his own independence, to have some self-sufficiency that he didn't have to wait on mom or dad to go and and get a meal from one of his favorite restaurants. And so I think even above him not satisfying his hunger for just food in his stomach, I think he helped satisfy some of that desire, that need to be a little more grown up, to be self-sufficient, to be independent. And I think for Luke, that's probably the best Big Mac meal that he's ever eaten in his life. And so I wonder today, as you're watching today, as you're worshiping, do you ever feel something like that inside of yourself? Obviously, we understand what it means to be physically hungry. We, we have physical needs that we have to take care of and all that kind of good stuff. But, but I'm talking about like down deep, like in our soul, that there's something that, that we want to be a part of. There's something in our lives that's elusive, that we're looking for a deeper meaning, that we're looking to, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we want to connect maybe even with God, God's self, right, due to the divine in the world, that we've been created with a, not just a body, which is important, that we need to take care of, and we have needs, but also a soul, and we have spiritual needs, and we have a spiritual hunger that we also need to, to find a way to feed that. And so uh, if you're looking for a fresh start, maybe with your faith, right, connecting into something bigger than than who you are, to look for meaning, to connect with God, well, you're in the right place because today we're talking about getting a fresh start with our faith and what that looks like. And we're going to be going back into the Gospel of Mark. We've been in Mark a lot, Mark and Genesis, really, in this this, uh, sermon series, Fresh Start. Uh, A gospel simply is the good news of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. And in the New Testament, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was the first written Gospel. And today we're going to pick up the story kind of where we were uh, last week in in the message, where Jesus and his 12 disciples are in the northern part of Israel. Uh, They're at a place called the Sea of Galilee, which is really just a really big, huge lake. And around that lake are these rolling hills, if you can kind of imagine that in your mind, just this beautiful place where people go out and There's towns, and they live there, and a lot of people fish the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus and his disciples have been uh, teaching, and Jesus has been preaching, and he has been doing it in a powerful and a new way, and people are hearing and responding to his words about God and the kingdom of God and what that looks like in their life. Jesus is also performing miracles, and he's healing people and doing all kinds of things. And 
he's kind of got a rock star kind of following. There's a lot of word spreading. And people want to be with Jesus and his disciples. They want to be healed and they want to, they want to hear from Jesus. And so there's just all these people that have been there. And Jesus and his disciples are glad for that. And they're excited and they're, they're doing all this ministry. But they're also human beings like you and me, like my son Luke. And they get tired. They get hungry and they need a break. And so it's, it's one of those times where they put in a lot of hours and they just need to get away. And so we kind of pick up the story today with Jesus, his 12 disciples, Sea of Galilee, Big Lake, and they're just, they need a break. They need to, to feed themselves some food, feed themselves some rest. So let's pick up the story with Mark and see what's going on. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, right? So they're hungry. They're hungry, right? Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. Let's feed our stomachs. Let's feed our bodies. It needs some rest. Let's, let's get going. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, right? Let's get away where people can't get us. Let's get in a boat. Let's go across the lake. It might take them some time to walk over there. We'll, we'll be good. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Wow. Wow. They ran. They were so excited to see Jesus and the disciples. They saw where he was going, right? So they ran around the lake to be there right when Jesus got there. And I wonder how Jesus and his disciples felt about that. Let's keep going. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Right? Jesus is a better man than me. I probably would have been frustrated. Why are they following us? Can't they just give me a break? I'm hungry. I'm tired. But Jesus had compassion on them. They were lost like sheep without a shepherd. Didn't know where to go. They were scattering. So he began teaching them many things. Isn't that interesting? He began teaching them many things. Jesus started talking about God. Jesus started talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that the people who were following him had a hunger. And it wasn't so much he had a physical hunger, it was a spiritual hunger. There was something missing in their life that Jesus knew he could give them, right? A relationship with God, a relationship with the kingdom of God. So Jesus begins to feed their spirits, begins to feed their souls. Let's see what happens next. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Hey, Jesus, there are a lot of people here. Right? Postmates won't be invented for another 2,000 years. There's no Domino's pizza. There's no takeout. Let's send them home while it's still light so they can go and get something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. Right? So Jesus has fed their souls, and now he's saying, you guys need to feed their bodies. Right? Because with Jesus, like Jesus is a, a holistic kind of person. He's like, right, their spiritual needs I've been working on, now we need to feed their physical needs. We need to give them something to eat. So to the 12 disciples, you give them something to eat. Right? This is a, a, an opportunity for the disciples to step out in faith because there's a lot of people here. A lot of people. It says about 5,000 men plus whoever else was there. And so this is a big step, big leap of faith. Jesus has faith in his disciples. You feed these people. But they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Right? Over 5,000 people. We don't, we don't have that much money, Jesus. Over half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Go and see, 
And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So what happens now is Jesus says to the disciples, you got to give them something to eat. I fed their spirits. I need you to give them something to eat, right? Step out in faith. Have, some, have a fresh start with some faith. And like, well, we'd love to feed them, right? But, but the Bible goes on to say there are over 5,000 men there. That doesn't include women, like girlfriends, wives, sisters, whoever was there, kids, grandkids who might have been with them out there. It's just a lot of people, the disciples. That, that'll take half a year's wages. We, we just don't have that, Jesus. They said, well, what do you have? What, do you, what is in your hands? What do you have? He said, five loaves of bread and two fish. All right, so I encourage you to go and read the rest of Mark 6 today. It's, it's a pretty cool story. I'm going to tell you what happens, but it, it's good to read it for yourselves. All right, so Mark 6. So what, what happens is Jesus takes the loaves of bread. He, he breaks them. He blesses them. Uh, he takes the loaves and the fish, and he gives it to the disciples. He has all the people sit in rows, and he asks the disciples to begin to circulate the food through the crowd. And it says that everyone ate, and they were full and they had 12 baskets left over. So in essence, a miracle has taken place. Jesus had compassion on people. He ministered to their spiritual needs, like that deep need to have meaning and connection with something bigger than ourselves. And then he had his disciples right, bring them what they had, and he used that right, to perform a miracle to take care of people's physical needs. Right? This is a powerful story, and it's a, it's, it's a story of faith. Right? The disciples grew in their faith because they got to be a part of a miracle. They took something ordinary and God did something extraordinary with it. Isn't that, isn't that pretty cool? Right? So Jesus is doing some powerful things. The disciples are doing some powerful things here. It's a great opportunity to grow in faith and to help other people grow in, in their faith as well. Now, there are skeptics to this story, right, about this story that say, well, you know what? Uh, we don't necessarily believe that's exactly what happened. Jesus probably had like a secret cave somewhere. He had a secret stash of food. And so he kind of pulled that out and the disciples sp spread that out to feed people. But, but remember, Jesus was trying to get away from the people. And I, I don't think he was going to a secret hiding place. I don't think he had a secret hiding place, right? And so the people came. That just, that just doesn't make sense. Other skeptics have said, well, the disciples kind of held some food back from Jesus. They had more than five loaves of bread. They had more than two fish. And once they saw Jesus having compassion, they kind of coughed it up, and, and then they spread that to the rest of the people. But if, if that's the case, still, it's 12 men's food. There's no way it's going to feed over 5,000 men plus all the women and children that are there. So I don't, I don't think that's going on. You know, some say, well, there probably weren't 5,000 people there, but you know what, I'm going to take the Bible at what it says. There's, there's a lot of people there. The disciples were freaking out. They're like, we can't afford to pay for this. So there had to have been a big crowd there. And then some say, well, maybe what's going on is that the, the, Jesus got the food from the disciples. He blessed it. He gave it out. And the people who were there saw that, and it inspired them. Right? These people are sharing what they have. Right? We've got some food that we brought out for the day. Let's get that out, and let's share that. And and everybody shared, and so the miracle was everybody shared with each other, and people were full, and they had leftovers. Um, now, if, if that's true, right, that could still be pretty cool. That would be a, that would be a miracle. It would be a miracle of sharing in the name of Jesus. And I don't think that I would be disappointed with that. I think that could be a really cool thing to happen. But you know what? Call me foolish. Call me naive. I believe that this was truly a miracle. That all they had was five loaves of bread and two fish, and Jesus took the ordinary food that the disciples had, did something extraordinary with it, and fed all those people. 
Because that's who God is, right? God wants to help us with our physical needs. God wants to help us with our spiritual needs. And God gives us, those of us who follow Jesus, the church, an opportunity to do the same. That what we have, God can take and bless that and multiply that, and we can help other people, right? We can help people grow closer to God spiritually as we lead in worship, as we lead in like small groups and, and all kinds of ministries. And we can, we can help feed the hungry in our community. We can help kids, right, who are struggling with their homework. We can help people who are struggling with their electricity bill, right? God calls us to be attentive to the needs of other people, spiritual needs, physical needs, and he demonstrates that. And it's a great way for the disciples to grow in their faith. As they serve God, as they give what they have, they see that they're a part of something bigger than themselves, and their faith is grown, and it's a fresh start for them. And it's a pretty cool kind of thing that, that's going on here. So there's a lot of neat things that are happening in this story. Also, in the same chapter, in Mark chapter 6, just before the feeding of the 5,000 plus people, there's something else that's happening that is kind of contrasted to what Jesus does by feeding those people. And what's happening is that the local ruler, his name was King Herod, kind of a bad guy, uh, he throws a big banquet himself. And he invites some of the leading people from the Galilee region, like some of the captains and some of the politicians and some of the, the, the business people, kind of the leaders of, of the community. And he throws this big party. And it's kind of a drunken debauchery kind of a thing. And the wine is flowing. And they've got women who are dancing these exotic things. And there's lust going on and drinking and all kinds of things. And, and what's happened is Herod has just had Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, executed. Because John called out Herod on something that he'd done that was wrong. Herod was having an affair with his sister-in-law, and John said, that's not right. And so, long story short, Herod has John beheaded, and at this party that he's throwing, he brings out John's head, and it's on a platter. Right? And so, the people at, at Herod's party are trying to satisfy physical needs of lust and drunkenness, and, and all Herod is serving up is that and a bunch of death. And ultimately, what Herod is serving up will not satisfy us, right? The lust, the, 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 the drunkenness, right? It might, it might be a short-term thing that, that people get joy out of, but ultimately, it leaves us wanting more, right? We're not satisfied with that, right? It leaves us empty, and then Herod is serving on top of that death. And then you contrast that with Jesus, who is serving up life, life to the full. He's talking about what it means to follow God. He's talking about what it means to live in the kingdom of God, what it means to live a full life. And he's feeding us, right, physically as well. And what Jesus is feeding, right, is the stuff that satisfies us. Later in the Bible, it says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, right? I am, I am the living water, right? When I feed you, when I give you something to drink, it's going to satisfy your spirit, your soul in ways that nothing else in the world can. So this is a direct contrast to what Herod's banquet is representing. So again, check out chapter 6 in Mark's gospel. I think you're going to like that. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and, and, we, and we go deep with that. So there's a lot going on here. So what's the point? What's the, what's the big idea? What's the takeaway? What is Jesus wanting us to walk away from as we're thinking about how can we get a fresh start with faith? This is what I think it is. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Jesus uses ordinary words to talk about God and the kingdom of heaven, and it changes people's lives. 
it works on their souls. It works on their spirit. It, it gives them a sense of satisfaction that Herod is not able to give, right? Jesus uses everyday ordinary words to do the extraordinary, to link us to God, to link us to life to the full, to link us to the life forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary, ordinary words to create a relationship between us and God. And then he takes ordinary fish, ordinary loaves of bread, right? Five loaves of bread, two fish, and feeds over 5,000 people. Right? So Jesus ministers to people's spirits. He ministers to people's bodies. And in the midst of this, the disciples get to be a part of something bigger than, than who they are. Right? God takes their ordinary food, and they get to participate in a miracle. Right? And so they've helped to feed people's bodies. They've helped to feed people's souls. Right? God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. You know, just think, if God can do that with Jesus' 12 disciples, then God can do that with you and me. Right? The ordinary things in our lives can become extraordinary when we have faith and offer them to God. We can help other people live life to the full. Right? So as we think about an application, how can we apply this into our lives? Right? Offer God what you have. Offer God what you have. What's in your hand? Right? The disciples had bread and they had fish. Right? Jesus had words. Right? Offer God what you have. Right? What's in your hand? Right? If you offer that to God in faith, you offer that to God in prayer, then God's going to do something extraordinary with it that's going to help someone else grow in their faith. And in the process, God's going to help us grow in our faith and we'll feel closer to God ourselves. Offer God what you have, what's in your hand. Right? I think about today, I think about Joan, as we honored her, our, our outgoing, retiring director of senior adult ministry. What, what, is, what did Joan have? Right? She, she had compassion in her heart. Right? She had gas in her car. She would drive to visit people who were sick or who were hurting or who just needed a friend. She would pick up the phone in her hand and give people a call and check on them when they were lonely or they'd had surgery or they're facing surgery. And she would write cards. She, she would get together with other people in our church and form a congregational care team to make sure that we're taking care of people not only in our church, but also in our community. What did Joan have? Right? She had words. She has a phone. She has a car. And look at the extraordinary ways that she's touched people's lives over the last seven years. Offer God what you have. What's in your hand? I think about Cole, who stands up here, and, and he holds a microphone in his hand, and, and how God works through him to, to lead us to the throne of God. I think about the guys who are up here on stage, and what do they have in their hands? They have guitars, and they have drumsticks, and, and they come together to create this beautiful music and this beautiful moment that leads us before the throne of God every Sunday. And that's just, that is powerful stuff. God takes ordinary things like drumsticks and guitars and does extraordinary things to lead us closer to a relationship with God. Offer God what you have. What's in your hand? How can you offer that to God in a way that, that he can do something extraordinary with it to help, live, help people live life to the full? Right? I, it doesn't just have to be physical things. Right? It can be spiritual things. This past Tuesday morning, I called into our, our weekly Tuesday morning prayer group. Uh, it's a group that's open to anyone. If you'd like to do that, check it out on our, our church website, and you can go do that. And Tuesday mornings at 7.30, 7.30 to 8.00. Get together on the phone, you call in, and there is offered a, a short devotion, right? Uh, some scripture, something spiritual that focuses on God, and then we pray together. We pray over the prayer concerns of the church. We, we share things that God's doing in our lives, how prayers are being answered. 
And this past Sunday, there's a man in our church named Doug, uh, who is a, a lay member of our church, not ordained clergy, not on staff, and he gave this amazing devotion. He kind of picked up where I left off last Sunday talking about how God is with us in all circumstances. And Doug wove into this very beautifully stuff from Charles Dickens, from the novel Hard Times, right? These are the best of times. These are the worst of times. And, and he just masterfully crafted that into scripture. And it was a beautiful thing. And it, it helped me grow closer to God. And I guess I need Doug to help me write some of my sermons because he did a really great job. And right, Doug's never been to seminary. Uh, he, he's not an ordained pastor. And and he's in a rotation with seven other people. There's eight people, lay people, who offer these devotions every week on a, on a rotating basis. Uh, I'm not in that rotation. There's no clergy in that rotation. These are people in our congregation, just like you, right? And they're coming, and God's speaking to them, and they're ministering to the rest of us. And I, I just am fed by going on this call every week, and it brings me closer to God. What did Doug have? He had some words, and he shared that with the group, and he moved his pastor, and he led me closer to the feet of Jesus. Right? So you can help people grow closer to Christ with your words and how you see Scripture working in your life, how you see God working in your life. And so offer God what you have. Maybe that's a word. Maybe that's a song. Maybe that's a phone call. Maybe it's a meal. Right? Maybe it's giving financially to the church so that we can support the various ministries where we're literally feeding hungry people in Charlotte, helping people who are in hard times physically as well as spiritually. Right, we are just wrapping up uh, the financials on this building project that we've been working on for almost eight years. Uh, and a church our size has no business doing what we have just done. There's no way that we should have been able to be a part of this. So this mixed-use development with all the apartments and the hotel and the shops and, and the stores and the church in the middle of that. And yet, because God is such a mighty God and uses ordinary people in ordinary ways, here we are. And we want to be a beacon for Jesus in South Park. We want to be a beacon for Jesus through the Internet. And, and it's happening. And it's kind of like we're the little engine that could. We're the little church that could. We're a growing church. And, and God has multiplied our resources exponentially to be able to do this. And we gave God our property. We gave God our money through a capital campaign that was more successful than we had hoped it would be. And because of your faithfulness, right, your ordinary gifts to God, it's become extraordinary. And we're going to be able to reach so many people for Jesus. Offer God what you have. Right? God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary, and we see that in our lives. And I know that, that some of us are frustrated because we have so much to offer each other, and some of that can only happen in person with each other. Right? And, and, and it's frustrating in the midst of the pandemic that we're not able to bring us all together. And, and believe me, that's something that I can't wait to be able to do as the pastor of this church. And, and we're looking forward to that day. And I just want to thank you for your ongoing patience because at the same time, we, we want to be as healthy and safe as possible. And so we believe right now that remote ministry is the way that, that we're called to do that. Our leadership team met this past week. We meet once a month, and we're constantly evaluating. When can we come back in person? When can we start easing into this? And so, again, we want to do that as quickly as possible, but we're not going to rush it until we think it's safe to be able to do that. And so we, we listen to what Governor Cooper has to say. We listen to what Bishop Leland has to say, what the United Methodist Church has to say, what's going on in Mecklenburg County. And right now in Mecklenburg County, it's still the red level, right? There's yellow and orange and red or like code red and it's just not a good place to be. And so we're going to keep doing remote ministry. 
And when we're able to come back in person, we're going to do that. And we're going to celebrate. And it's going to be great. And we'll be able to use ordinary things to do extraordinary things in person. And for now, we're going to keep doing that remotely. And so thank you for your patience. Thank you for, for supporting our outreach team and our Barnabas team where, where we can help people financially or we can drop items off to people's houses that need them. And we're going to keep doing that. Right? So God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Now, interestingly enough, right, we've been in Mark chapter 6. If you jump to Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, Jesus is going to have another opportunity to feed 4,000 plus people. Right? So I invite you to check that out. Maybe a cool thing to do this week would be to read Mark 6, 7, and 8. And you're going to get the feeding of the 5,000 plus people, the feeding of the 4,000 plus people. But Jesus does it again in chapter 8. Now, some skeptics say, well, maybe it's the same story. And they just kind of got confused, so it's in their Bible twice. I don't think so. Right? There's specifically the number, 5,000, specifically the number 4,000. Uh, and and it, it's a different story in one way because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus people. Those are the people of Israel. Those are Jewish people. In Mark chapter 8, it's apparent that Jesus is now feeding Gentile people, people who are not Jewish. Because it reminds us that Jesus came for all people. And that's a really cool part of the story is now Jesus is feeding a different group of people. And what's mind-boggling, though, is that after Jesus has been teaching and doing all the stuff that Jesus did in, 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 in Mark chapter 6 with the people, it's getting late again, and it's getting time to feed people, and the disciples do the unthinkable. They're like, Jesus, we need to send them away before it gets too dark so that they can go and find food. We just don't have enough food for them. And if you're like me, you're reading that thinking, hey, guys, you just did this for more people a couple of chapters ago. Are you really that thick-headed? Right? And, and again, Jesus is a better person than me for not putting it in terms like that. But, it, but we, we ask the question, how can the disciples forget so quickly? Jesus just fed more people. Why can't he feed this crowd? And yet the disciples say, Jesus, we need, we need to send them away. And, you know, sometimes in our faith, sometimes we forget. We have short memories, right? Because I think just like the disciples, before we judge them too harshly, God has done a lot of cool things in our lives. And we, and we look back and, and, and we can celebrate that. But, but when we come to a point of crisis in our life, when something is not going our way or something tragic happens, then all of a sudden it's as, it's as if we have amnesia. And we were in this difficult circumstance, a situation like, God, where are you? What's going on? Help, Lord, this is not right. How can you allow this to happen to me? I don't know how I'm going to move forward. This is terrible. Right? It's okay to say that. It's okay to feel that because bad stuff happens and, and we're human. But at the same time, maybe we can take a time out and remember the disciples' example to say, hey, wait a second. This looks dark now. This looks hard now. But if I remember, I've been through hard times before and God got me through them. I've been through dark times before and God got me through them. I didn't know how I was going to get through those times, but God got me through them. I need to have faith. I need to remember what God has done in the past and know that God is with me in the present. And so as we think about how God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary, we're called to offer God what we have, what, what's in our hand. I think another application of this is to remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. We remember what God has done. Right? So maybe we can try to remember the disciples forgot when they really shouldn't have forgotten that. 
Right? So if you're in a tough spot right now, you're in your hard, hard spot, you don't know where you're going, maybe look back for a little bit and see the things that God has done in your life by giving you life and giving you friends and giving you family and, and giving you a way forward through whatever you've been through before that God's still with you and is working to bring good in your life as we talked about last week. Remember what God has done. And that will help us have a fresh start with faith. Remember what God has done. That will help us have a fresh start with faith. This past week, I was able to give a tour of our new campus to two people. Uh, we were social distance. We had our mask on. We followed all the COVID-19 protocols, all that good stuff. Uh, and, and the two people were Mark Blackwell, who was the executive director of Justice Ministries here in Charlotte. Uh, that's a group, a Christian group, that helps rescue women who are human trafficked here in our city. And it rescues them from being slaves in our city, gets them to a safe house first, and then transitions them into a recovery house that helps them get their lives back together. And oftentimes these women have young children with them. And so we've been in a partnership for years with Justice Ministries. And so it was great to, to, to walk through the building with Mark and to remember our relationship and how we've been able to do things together with God. The other person that was with us was Pastor Sherry from St. Andrew's United Methodist Church. It's a church that's two miles away. And over the past three and a half, four years, when we didn't have a church building, when we were doing ministry out in the community, they invited us to their congregation. They let our student ministries, grades 6 through 12, uh, join their student ministers, our leaders and their leaders, and, and for the past almost four years, have grown spiritually together at St. Andrew's Church. They also invited us to do funerals at their church, which we did, and help people get through some very difficult times. They also invited us to come for Christmas Eve, and we had worship service there. We had special worship services throughout the year. And so as we walked through our new campus, it was a time for us to remember all the things God has done between us. And Mark and I celebrated all the, all the many lives that have been changed because of God working through Justice Ministries and us supporting them financially and we continue to do that, and we look forward to seeing where God is going to help rescue more women and children out of human trafficking in our city. So God is meeting physical needs, getting people out of slavery, and we're a part of that. And then with Pastor Sherry to, to celebrate where God has been, what God has done, by helping the students in our congregation, her congregation, our community, grow closer to Jesus. Right? Who wouldn't want young people to grow closer to Jesus? have helped us have memorial services and say goodbye to loved ones who've gone to be with Jesus in heaven, right? And to celebrate the birth of Jesus and all kinds of things like that. And so we remember what God has done as God helped us grow spiritually together as our two churches have come together during the past three and a half years, right? And we remember what God has done to help people physically get out of slavery and human trafficking and help our congregation and community grow closer to Jesus through this walk with God. Isn't that amazing to think that God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary? Right? And we can offer God what's in our hands and it's going to help someone live life to the full and it's going to help us grow in our faith. That when we're stuck in our faith and we need that fresh start that we can look back and remember right, what God has done for us in the past and we can say God's with us now and will get us through this. And we can have faith that God is going to get us through whatever we're facing right now. And maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you don't have a lot of memories of God. And whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, maybe there's just one thing that we need to remember. And that's that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. 
Jesus died for you on the cross. And he came back to life so that we can live life to the full, so that all the wrong things that we've done can be forgiven. And we can let go of the guilt and the shame that hold us down, like this, this baggage that's weighing us down. We can have joy and, and peace now. We can live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? You talk about a fresh start with faith. Just remember one thing. Jesus died for us and rose for us to give us life to the full. So if you're looking for that fresh start with faith, go no further than Mark chapter 6, 7, and 8. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Offer God what you have, what's in your hand, and remember what God has done. And you will have a fresh start in your faith. Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, thank you for this story from the Gospel of Mark in which Jesus shows us that you care about us, God, that you want us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, that you want us to be in a relationship with you, a personal relationship, and that you are here to satisfy the spiritual hunger that we have in our lives. And not only that, God, but you care about our everyday lives, Lord, about uh, what we eat and whether we have shelter or not, Lord, and, and physical needs that, that you, you call us to help one another. And so, God, as followers of you, may we be attentive to bring the ordinary things in our lives, our words and our resources, so that we can not only grow closer to you, but we can help other people grow closer to you as well. So God, take what's in our hands. Let us offer them to you, Lord. Take our ordinary and do the extraordinary with it as we remember what you have done for us in the past and we can trust that you will be with us in the future. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray today. Amen.